Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of ThePaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. That's why do we always start the show like that? I don't know. Because it's awkward. What do we say? Like, hi, how are you? But then actually we're saying it to the listeners. So hello, listeners. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't actually say hello like that to a listener. No, I, I don't know why we even say it to one another. When you and I talk, it's not like we call each other on the phone and that's what we say. Not doing my like Queen of England wave when I say <laughs> it. It's just not. It's not a thing I do. Um, and yet somehow. Somehow, somehow we do it every week. We, we do our little. Listen, how many times how many times do we need to apologize to these listeners? Like we're sorry. We've said it before, we'll say it again. We're sorry. Sorry. Not all shows are good. Uh, but hopefully this one will be despite its rocky start. (laughs) (laughs) So um I kinda just I'm a little bit nervous about today's show, so do you mind if we just jump in? I don't think you need to be nervous, but I do think we should jump in because I actually am I'm excited it's not quite the right word. Uh, proud's not quite the right word. Um, but I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have a right word. I am really hopeful. Anticipation. Hopeful. That's I have two words. <laughs> optimistic. Per- no, I know. I was going to throw in like random words in there, and that was just not going to end well. Um, no, I, I. This is this episode has been a long time coming, and I think. Um, I think it's going to be amazing. So let's jump in. All right. So for listeners who are just tuning in, I'll try to give a little bit of a backstory. But for most listeners, um, the show won't be a surprise for you because I've been talking about the fact that I had a back injury last summer, which is almost a year now. Um, And I've been trying to figure out what the actual problem is. I had some snafus with the fact that um, I have a really, really high pain tolerance. And so my medical professional did not anticipate that the injury that I had um, was as severe as it ended up being. Once I actually had an MRI, um, I've been trying to get an MRI for a really long time, but um, yada, 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 insurance problems, not the right topic. for today. I could go on a soapbox about that for a whole show, but let's not go into it today. Um, Ultimately, the long story short is that it was about 10 and a half to 11 months before I actually got um, a diagnosis on an injury that I saw treatment for. Um, I will say that um, I don't want to have people thinking that Oh, well, I knew Stacy was going to injure herself. She was lifting all those heavy things. This is inevitable. Um, Newsflash, it was not a barbell that injured my back. Um, It was not a strongman implement that injured my back. Um, There were two events where I injured my back. The first was um, wrestling with Viv, who is the world's 
strongest woman. She owns a metal belt that is huge. She is literally the United States strongest woman. Um, and I was wrestling with her and I believe that that was the start of my injury, but I actually, she, I'm just like picturing her like squishing you and saying like puny woman or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we were actually doing this thing called moss wrestling, which, um, you're welcome to Google it. It's really interesting. It comes from like Eastern countries that are cold a lot. And so they do this thing where they basically, um, fight for a broomstick, but they do it in a certain sort of way. And the thing about your spine is that it likes to be moved up and down and not side to side. Your um, discs and your vertebrae, what I've learned about backs, is that they're a lot more at risk for injury when you're doing things where you're moving side to side. So the irony is that if I had been lifting, especially with a belt and with proper form, I wouldn't have injured myself. But because I was like physically wrestling on the floor, on the floor and you know, you're kind of like swaying back and forth and trying to get a broomstick out of somebody's hand um, while the force is being applied of the United States strongest woman who deadlifts over 500 pounds at the same time. Um, it's a lot on your body. And so I actually ended up uh, about two weeks later feeling a lot better and was starting to do lifting and other exercises. And I volunteered for this event where um, we were doing a community garden cleaning. A lot of people might remember this event because I talked about it. <laughs> is, um, specifically on Strongman Radio, I told the full story. But the short version is that there was a guy who was like, oh, let me lift that for you in a really condescending sort of way. And instead of being like, yes, thank you, I have a back injury, I was like, hey, don't think of me as some weak woman. I'm going to lift this thing. And the thing ended up being a uh, bag of concrete that had hardened from water, like raining because it was outside in a community garden and they had just let the bag of concrete be outside. And so I lifted up this bag of concrete uh, again not in a proper form, not with a lifting belt and with a recovering back. And that's ultimately um, the injury that ended up causing the most damage. Um, And I know this for a fact because I didn't have um, the nerve damage on my leg. I didn't have um, some of the symptoms from my back injury weren't happening, happening before the garden incident. So regardless I mean, people are going to believe what they want to believe. I feel very strongly that I made some poor life choices um, (laughs) that led to my injury, Um, but it is what it is at this point. And um, so I don't think, I mean, let's reiterate for people that the diagnosis that you finally got was two herniated discs, right? Yeah, I was going to jump into that, but yes, yes. And um, the... This is a very common yes back very, injury. That's what I was going to say. From it's like very diverse yes. things that people do, and like people get herniated discs from sitting in a strange position. Like it is a, it, it it's one of. I mean, it's probably the most common type of back injury. It is, and like when I was googling about the injury once I had a formal diagnosis, particularly. Um, where mine is, which is at the lowest lumbar, the fourth and fifth level, which is right above the tailbone. Um, that is very, very common for, there's like a picture of a guy gardening with a shovel. Like it is literally the gardening 
um, injury, which, you know, kind of made me laugh, like, haha, that happened, it happened to me in a garden. Um, <laughs> with bags of cement, but you yes. know, well, it was you know. a garden. <laughs> so, like, there was no pond made afterwards, but it's you know, still, still it, a thing. It still sucked. And I walked away dragging my right leg. So um, that sucked. But so here's, here's the thing. It took me a really long time. I thought that it was a variety of things. Um, I've also done this crazy amount of research, Sarah. I don't know if you as a scientist have ever heard this, but um, along with the genetic mutation for natural redhead, there are some things that come along with it. And um, one Like of the- showing off when big burly men want to lift something for you, you mean? No, Just- like actual genetic coding things, not my brain being broken. That's a brain being <laughs> broken thing. Um, so like I'm resistant to the family of drugs that Novocaine is in. So if when I was a kid and I had to have a cavity filled, they had to give me three to four times what a normal person would receive. Um, it's like part of my genetic mutation and it's like consistent with redheads. And another thing that's consistent with redheads is a freakishly high pain tolerance. And so what was happening is when I was going in and I was explaining to people like the, the, they would like circle this, have you circle on your body where your pain was and the level of your pain. And I wasn't marking things as like a level nine or 10. Um, they didn't think that I had a herniated disc, um, not just a herniated disc. So to be clear, I have a compressed, degenerated, herniated disc on both L4 and L5. And the L5 is actually compressing the nerve on my right side. And that's a problem. (laughs) So um, I wasn't able to get kind of proper treatment, I think, because I wasn't like making a big deal about it. And what ended up happening is the insurance... I always, when they always ask me like pain levels... I, I was like, I'll, I'll say whatever it is. And I'll say, but keep in mind that I had a 20 and a half hour long labor with Pitocin and no pain meds with my second child. <laughs> so just keep yeah. in mind that's the bar. Yeah. So, I mean, the lesson for me is clearly like I need to just report 10 when something really hurts because in my head I'm like, well, I mean, if someone had shot me and stabbed me and stuff like that Presumably, would hurt Presumably that would be more. That would hurt maybe, more. Maybe it's not more. No. So, um, I mean, like in your pain tolerance world, I didn't mean like, right. Yes. I just realized I was being hyperbolic. I wasn't trying to offend people. Um, so where I, where I am now is that I've had this problem that ideally we would have recognized that the problem and the discs would not have degenerated the way that they have over the year of me having this issue. Um, it came to a head when I came back from Europe and I flared really badly. And most likely that was because I did a lot of walking in Europe. I also ate more gluten-free things than I normally would have eaten, which can cause, you know, autoimmune issues for me. And my immune system might have reacted coupled with the fact that I was on a 12-hour flight and a two-hour flight. and Sitting for prolonged periods of time is really, really bad for back injuries. Very, very bad. It's a trigger for me. So as soon as I get home from Europe, as soon as I get off of the 12-plus-hour um, flight, um, I noticed immediately that I was in um, the kind of pain that was beyond just like a low-level kind of back pain. And um, I 
ended up missing work twice that week and got an appointment with the back doctor. And I kind of freaked out in the office. And I was like, listen, <laughs> it's been a year. Like my quality of life is being affected. I, I really need to at least know what is happening. Like we have got to get this MRI, whatever it takes. Like I need to know what's happening in my back. And as soon as I was kind of crying and freaking out, I think she understood that it wasn't actually a level six to seven, that it was like a level 10. Um, and so she was able to get the approval, get the MRI, and we got the results. Um, but the the moral of the story that I want to talk about is kind of twofold, which is, one, you know, I don't, who knows what I could have done differently up to that point. It doesn't really matter. I am where I am now. Um, and that is that my life drastically changed when this injury occurred. I, I prided myself on being a lifter. I mean, I gave talks about strength training at multiple paleo events, including AHS. And um, I have friends who my relationship with them revolves around the fact that we have this shared hobby. And it was something that I did every single week that was for me. And um, it gave me endorphins, it gave me serotonin, it gave me adrenaline, um, which are all really good things for me. And we've talked before about how strength training is beneficial for people, specifically for women, because it does a lot of different things. It, you know, activates muscle fiber. um, It helps your metabolism. It helps balance your hormones. Um, We've, we've exhausted why we think strength training is great. The unfortunate thing for me was that I went from being someone who was literally training for a competition to enter into nationals and had a very good shot of winning that competition. And then I immediately had an injury so severe that I have not been able to do any sort of activity, even, you know, walking for long periods of time exacerbates my injury because it's pinching the the nerve on my leg. And so my, my hip and my leg becomes um, very painful after a certain amount of time. And so for me, my quality of life was altered. And I did everything that I could do in the beginning to try to accommodate for that. I enjoyed the fact that I got to relax more. I spent time with the kids. I snuggled. I caught up on TV. It was just, you know, there were certain things where I was like, Hey, this is, this can be okay. I'm going to find the positive in this. And then when I'm healed, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be stronger than I was. Um, but then I didn't get to go back and I got to see people who I was training with kind of go to the next level or they themselves had an injury after my injury that they recovered from and were going back to training before I was recovered. And there were a lot of things that were happening to me emotionally that I wasn't dealing with as well as the things that were happening to me physically. And so, you know, I, I have been always really open on this podcast and I feel like I haven't been able to be really honest with people over the past year, which is that, you know, there were things that were happening that I wasn't sure of what was going on and therefore I didn't really want to talk about it. But now that I know what's happening and I'm also, you know, self-aware and working on some resolutions, I wanted to talk about the things that I went through and what I'm doing now to feel better. Um, as well as the protocol that I'm using to help heal my disc injury, because I want to be one of the 50% that can recover from personal training. I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to lift again. I don't know that I'll be comfortable lifting again. I, I don't know. Right now, I know that when I try to use the restroom or get dressed in the morning, that it's so painful for me that the idea of working out isn't a possibility. But um, I I just 
had so much happening in my brain <laughs> that I needed to talk about it. And Sarah was like, I think it's good. I think let's talk about it. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> and now I'm rambling and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I think, um, you know, I think that there's, there's multiple things here, but I, it's not a surprise to anyone who has read any of your, um, website or has listened to our podcast for a while, just, um, I mean, I, I would go so far as to say that you had a large part of your identity wrapped up with your strong women training. Like that was, and, and I, I mean, I, I understand it very much, right? So as somebody who came from a place of morbid obesity, which we both did, um, and, you know, reclaimed, uh, health and quality of life through paleo diet and, and, uh, fitness, um, you know, it was like, I recognize this and I, I'm, I'm sure it's not, um, I'm not the only one that, um, you know, when you started strong women training, it was like, I have found my thing. It was like, I mean, it was like light bulbs went off and like, I knew you before you started CrossFit. And then when you transitioned from CrossFit to strong women and, um, and it was, yeah, it was like, you're like, no, this is the thing I meant to do. Like, I'm good at it. I love it. And it really, it became, I think, part of, you know, part of how you defined yourself and, uh, you know, rightly so. And then to have that basically stolen from you, like it's, you know, I've, um, I've, I've watched over the last year and I, I know many other people have watched and just sort of like, just hoping that you can get those answers because it's, it's so easy to recognize what not having that thing in your life, um, how that has impacted you. And I, I think it's, um, you know, it's one of those things we've, we've talked about this at other times on this show before when we've been, at a place where we've been sharing struggles, it's easier to talk about it once there's some answers and once we're at a place where it feels like, okay, now I can have some, some perspective and I can have a plan and I might not be through the other side, but you know, once we're at that place of plan, we can, it's much easier to talk about. Um, but I, um, I did. I really encouraged you to talk about it on the show because I think that there's a lot of really important aspects to this experience that um, I think is important to share for our listeners. So, um, so, so let's talk about the injury itself, and then yeah. um, what I'm doing my my protocol to resolve it. So, the injury itself is. Um, potentially treatable. And the approach that I'm taking is both medical and what we would call natural or lifestyle. Um, Sarah, Complimentary. Sarah did a fantastic job of researching for me after I looked into the injury uh, myself. One of the things that I learned about disc, in, disc injuries is that it's difficult for the discs to regenerate and regrow because they don't get nutrients fed to them as easily as 
other parts of your body. So for example, my bones are super strong and healthy, but my discs are not something and and all my other discs are are fine. Um, But these discs are not something where I can like necessarily just resolve by eating some collagen shakes. So um, what I'm, what I'm doing is working with my medical practitioner to get some pain relief to the injury itself. Now that we know where it is and what it is, they can um, more specifically help reduce that pain with some medical treatments. And while the pain is numb for me, so to speak, um, I can work on uh, physical therapy specific to the injury that I have. Um, and that'll involve a lot of core strengthening and, um, for me, inversion to relieve the, um, compression of the discs. And, um, the core strength will help with my back not having so much of a burden. And I've known for a really long time that I have a very strong back and that I have, um, very strong quads and that it was causing an imbalance in my lifting from my hamstrings and my core. And if you recall, when I did Smolov like a year and a half ago, one of the things that I was trying to work on was engaging my hamstrings and my core more um, because it was something that I knew that I was uh, off balance. So the physical therapy is going to work to focus on not from a lifting perspective, but from just like a personal perspective, um, getting me to engage the right muscles and that will help um, my back not have so much of the burden of my person. And then, Sarah, I don't know if you want to talk about... Um... Yeah, so I mean, this is one of the, the fun things my friends get to do is they get to text me and like, hey, research this for me. And I go, cool. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I did was I um, I went into the scientific literature and really specifically looked at um, either nutrient deficiencies that were linked to higher incidence of herniated discs or um, supplements that were linked to um, better measures. So faster recovery or reduced symptoms or whatever. And um, – you know, it's one of those things with with this type of nutritional sciences is a lot of them are like, right, it's like this one study looked at this one thing. So there aren't studies that are pulling these all together. But I was able to sort of put together like, hey, uh, you know, a nutrient focus clearly is going to be helpful. Um, but here's what I could find in terms of things that might be more important. And um, And so part of it is – you know, the reason why it's hard to get nutrients to the disc is they don't have blood flow. So all of the nutrients that they need, they get through diffusion. And so um, so that means that your body has to be uh, really nutrient sufficient in order for diffusion to happen effectively towards the discs. And then the cells that – so it's the discs are made out of cells that are um, sort of – um, suspended in a matrix, and the matrix is made up of um, predominantly collagen. And um, the type of collagen that is in your discs in your back is a very, very hard type of collagen. So the discs are really there to be shock, shock absorbers. So they're made, the outside is this really, really hard collagen, and then they have this like gooey middle so they're like they can actually 
compress and it protects our spine. So they're like shock absorbers. And then they also allow, they also sort of hold our spine together while allowing some mobility. And that's sort of a, a common theme with all, um, all, you know, collagen and, and, and collagen tissues in our body. Um, so the reason why I suggested the type two collagen, Dr. Kyla Daniels, type two collagen from vital proteins over the marine collagen or the regular um, collagen peptides is because it's derived from type two collagen rather than type one collagen. So it's derived from that harder, firmer molecules. So it's the nutrients exactly that your body needs for that kind of collagen. Um, and then in the scientific literature, um, the only supplement that I was able to find that had, you know, really compelling science like this, taking this supplement with a herniated disc improves outcomes was um, glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. Um, so that's often also recommended for um, arthritis. Um, so it's, it's sort of well known to um, help protect joint tissues. Um, but some of the other stuff that I found, which was sort of a, like a weaker connection, but it was that there's a link between vitamin D deficiency and um, herniated discs and that there are some studies showing that bringing vitamin D levels up to a good level um, can help dramatically with recovery. Um, so I had suggested to Stacy. Um, like while you wait to get get tested and while you wait for the results to come back, you know, a moderate amount of vitamin D is um, is probably going to be appropriate. And then when you get the results back, then you can be more aggressive with vitamin D supplementation when you've got a uh, physician monitoring that because going too high with vitamin D can also cause problems. Um, there was some research showing that vitamin C deficiency uh, can increase risk of herniated discs. Um, there was also some... Um, research suggesting that B12 deficiency can be associated with increased risk of herniated discs. Um, zinc deficiency, and interestingly enough, I thought, because I'm all about, I'm the sleep nerd now, was melatonin deficiency. So, um, you know, protecting circadian rhythms, sleeping. Um, zinc is, um, you know, focusing on, on zinc-rich foods is sort of built into the autoimmune protocol, but that's where like the shellfish typically comes from our highest food source of, of zinc is uh, oysters followed closely by like mussels and clams and all sort of bivalve shellfish. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of doubting that Stacy was deficient in zinc, but I was like, Hey, some more zinc rich foods are great. Um, and then there are studies showing that fish oil supplementation can be very effective for reducing pain, actually sort of not just with herniated discs, but with, um, rheumatoid arthritis and, and joint joint pain in general. So um, again, you know, studies show that four to six weeks of high dose fish oil supplementation is beneficial. Beyond that, you start to, you know, worry about how fragile those fats are and, and the oxidized fats. But for a short period of time, it's a high quality fish oil supplement for, for pain management um, is well supported by the scientific literature. Um, so it's, it, I, I was actually surprised to find as much as I did um, because I think there's better recognition for a link between chronic illness and uh, nutrient deficiency in the scientific literature rather than injury and, and nutrient deficiency generally. 
Um, but that's, that's what I, that's what I dug up. And, um, I, it was, it was interesting for me because my first thought was like, what could increase, like, I was thinking like, what could increase blood flow to, yeah, and then that's, it was like, that's what I originally asked is I was like, should I be eating more iron? <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, niacin, CoQ10, like what? And I was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> It's not, it's not that. Don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, that might have its other things. Right. But, um, yeah. So here's the thing, friends. Here's, here's where I'm going to get a little more, a little more feelsy about the whole thing. Um, so while I am doing as much as I can from a natural lifestyle lifestyle perspective, uh, both from, you know, physical therapy, I'll probably go back and get chiropractic treatments. Now that we know exactly what the problem is, a chiropractor can help more. Um, and then I will obviously do what I can, uh, as best nutrition and lifestyle wise. But, um, I had another issue to deal with, which is that I was really unhappy. Um, I had been, pushing through, so to speak, for the first few months of my injury with the hope that I would feel better and that things could go back to normal. And then um, somewhere around the six-month mark when I realized that things were continuing to be a problem and that I was dealing with, um, you know, insurance frustrations and that uh, part of me was thinking, I mean, until I got the diagnosis and the MRI large part of me was also... Um, really hard on myself because I was thinking that I was making up the injury in my head and that I was just being lazy and that I was saying a lot of really negative self-talk to myself that, as you know, is very out of character for me because I feel very strongly about um, believing in yourself and doing everything that you can to make yourself feel better. And so it was very out of character for me to be feeling and talking to myself so negatively as much as I was. And um, I was also really easy to be agitated because I was in so much pain. Um, Those people who are listening who have had chronic pain are probably really familiar with um, the common side effect of that, which is that, you know, you're either anxious or you're stressed or you're frustrated or you're angry and you have all of these emotions associated with the pain that you're in that are at the surface all the time and therefore they were coming out um, in a way at home and in the office that I was uncomfortable with and that was also out of character for me. You know, I had very little patience, example, um, with Matt. <laughs> you know, like if he forgot something at the grocery or store. Matt. I know. If he forgot something at the grocery store, it was like the worst thing in the world. And the poor guy was like trying to have patience with me and um you know, he he was not trying to do the thing where he's like, you know, you're just blowing this out of proportion because you're in pain. Like he did he didn't say that to me, although I could see it in his face. And so he was just like, I'm sorry. I will make sure to put that on the list and get it next time. And um did everything that he could do. But at a certain point we realized that like I wasn't happy and everything that I was doing from a natural lifestyle perspective wasn't making me feel better because I had bigger picture problems that weren't being resolved. So, um, 
I started seeing a psychologist, someone that I could talk to about my frustrations. And we decided that because I was also having um, emotional responses to food that were also out of character for me, i.e. I was struggling to resist this urge to binge, which we've talked before about how I have um, a history of eating disorders and um, bulimia and binge eating disorder was um, a disease that I had when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. And I have always had a problem with the binge part of bulimia. Um, It's really easy to stop throwing up, (laughs) so to speak. Um, But for me, the binging part of it is an emotional effect that because I was having so many emotions, I was having to constantly like talk to myself and talk to Matt about like, I'm finding myself drawn to food, even though I'm not hungry. Like, I don't know what to do about it. And so when I was talking to the psychologist about it and explaining to him that I had gained unwanted weight from the fact that I was eating more than I really wanted to eat and that I wasn't working out as much as I wanted to and that I just didn't feel good, both emotionally and physically, um, we decided that going on a medication that is an SSRI that is specific for helping people who have um, emotional food disorders specifically is the type that I went on, um, that it would be good for me to try. And I felt like a complete failure. I cried for days after the recommendation. I kept the prescription. I didn't get it filled. I was more of a hot mess than um, when I went in to see him. And Matt and I talked about it and we were like, you know what? Like, this is what I need. If this is what's going to make me feel better, even if it's just for a few weeks or months until I can start to feel normal again, it's worth it to get that quality of life back and not be depressed and frustrated and angry and all the things that I was feeling because of this chronic injury. So I uh, am once again crying on the podcast, but I wanted to... It's uh, it's a little contagious tonight, Stacey. Well, I wanted... I mean, it's just, to me, what I realized is if this was how I was feeling about it, there were other people who are feeling about it too. And it was really frustrating for me when I came home from the doctor and I did like a search on paleo depression. I got a couple of articles that came up and specifically one is Chris Kressler, who's someone who I really respect. And there's, um, like a dark side of antidepressants article that he posts. And I'm absolutely in agreement with him that there are negative side effects with any medication that you could take. And I'm aware of them. And I'm talking to my doctor to make sure that I don't have anything, for example, like um, bleeding from the gut or suicidal tendencies. Like, absolutely, if those things happen, that's worse than just feeling a little frustrated. So I'll stop the medication if I feel that stuff. Um, But in general... I feel like it's difficult enough to be feeling depressed and be feeling like you need help and then to feel guilty if you take advantage of the resources that are available to you. And you know, I was I was adding turmeric. I was sleeping more than I normally would. I was having skin-to-skin contact and snuggling with my my family. The things that normally restore me and make me feel better weren't working. And I just want people who are listening who might be feeling that struggle to know that 
you're not alone and that if you've done everything that you can and it's and you still don't feel well like you deserve a quality of life and we've always said that you know for example when we were talking about Cole's ADHD that if we had not been able to resolve his frustrations with lifestyle that we would have gone to medical intervention because he deserved a positive quality of life and for me I was not able to accomplish what I had hoped on my own and instead of feeling guilty and feeling like a failure because I have to take a pill I want to tell you all that after a couple weeks I feel really great. <laughs> like, uh, you wouldn't know it because I'm crying and I sound like <laughs> I'm a mess. But um, the reason that I feel comfortable talking about this now after a year of not talking about it is because I'm okay with it. Like, I'm finally able to say, like, I have this injury. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a failure. I am doing everything that I know how to do to live a happy healthy life. And I will continue to do that. And part of that sometimes includes medical intervention. And I'm hoping that now that I know what the problem is and that I can get some pain treatment and I can get physical therapy, that, you know, things will get better. But I've been hopeful that things will get better for almost a year now and they haven't. And it's just not fair to me and the people around me to not feel my best in continuation of waiting for things to get better. And I just want everyone else to know that about themselves. Um, I'm I want... sorry. I cried for so much of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like fighting back tears for half of it. So um, I, I just want to say, um, you know, I sort of said earlier that it's it's always a little bit easier to share struggles once we're at a place where we can have a little perspective. Um, that doesn't mean we're necessarily completely through whatever that challenge is. And it doesn't mean that it's something that doesn't require a huge amount of, of bravery to, to accomplish. And um, we've talked on the show many, many, many times about using the best of both worlds, of using the best that we ha have from conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals and also, you know, the best diet choices, the best lifestyle choices, and that there's, um, there's no reason why we can't combine all of those things for, you know, the, the best quality of life. I mean, I'm not about to give up my hot water tank. That's not a thing that's about to happen. Um, so why does that, why then would I, I give up, you know, for example, antibiotics is a life-saving medication. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be reckless with them. I'm not going to take them because I have a funny tickle in my throat, but, um, but I am going to take them if, if, you know, I'm dealing with a potentially life-threatening situation and, you know, and I have this year and, um, and I think, it's every time we share this message, it's um, a message that people express back to us that they're they're very grateful to hear because I think there is this very very um, sort of common like cultural phenomenon within 
not just the paleo movement, but I think a lot of um, alternative diets. So I think we see this in veganism and plant-based diets, and we see it in the alternative health movement. Um, this, uh, I think it's because so many of us come to um, different dietary philosophies from a place of frustration of, you know, dealing with health problems and not feeling like we're getting the answers that we need from our doctors. And we, we want to just sort of like, we find a solution and we go, okay, now I never want to deal with my doctor ever again. And I think it's really important to understand that, um, you know, medical advances, technological advances are an amazing thing. And, um, and it's okay to use them. It doesn't make us failures. It, um, it makes us actually, I think, brave people and very intelligent people to use them judiciously and appropriately. And while not using them as crutches to make up for, you know, a, a majority of you know, bad diet and lifestyle choices. I think it's, um, it's amazing thing when we can find that, that balance between, um, you know, the, the amenities of a modern world, including modern medicine and, um, and a, um, philosophy on diet and lifestyle that, um, acknowledges the fact that, what we have in our modern food supply uh, and in our sort of modern societies in terms of, you know, work hard, play hard type priorities, that those are, are not conducive to health. And it doesn't mean we, we have to disregard uh, all of the, the wonderful things that we have to, to take advantage of. So, Stacey, I know that it was a very, very hard choice for you. Um, to to take that medication and um it's been for me as a you know, fairly distant observer really there's you know there's got to be some hundreds of miles between us if not a thousand really um it's it's almost like hey it's like old stacy's back a little bit i don't know if if matt has expressed that but it's been it's been really nice to see um, uh, that mix of uh, playful, optimistic. I was going to say playful uh, sarcasm. Playful sarcasm. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yes. Maybe a little uh, mocking of, of accents. <laughs> um, but also, you know, a, a sense of pragmatism rather than pessimism, you know, like there's, there's sometimes there's a fine line between those two things. And I think you've always falled on the pragmatic side. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if our podcast listeners are, they, I mean, I think you have been very careful to not share, um, how, how dark things were with our podcast listeners. Um, but there, there were some times where I know it was, um, not easy for you to record this podcast. And I, um, I, I want to thank you, um, first of all, for your, for your dedication, um, to this and to your website and to your social media and to 
um, all of your followers and readers and listeners, because I know, um, I know once they, especially once they come to appreciate how hard it's been for you to continue with all of those things over this last year, I know that they would want to thank you themselves. Um, and I almost, I was like, and you can email Stacy at, um, <laughs> to share your appreciation. Um, just the commenting in social at, media as the Social point. media, paleo parents at paleo parents on all social media platforms. Flooding my inbox will only give me stress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, personally, you know, I, um, I want to thank you for, um, staying on this journey with me when, um, there was so much going on and, um, I'm glad to have you back, man. Thanks. Well, I just, I hope that I haven't freaked everybody out. Like I'm, I'm still me. I haven't. I haven't. Oh, not that you were ever not you. Right. Just like a sad you. Yeah, I was. And you know what? What is frustrating is when you're not really able to help yourself, you know? And so I hope that for everybody listening, that if you listen to this, even if you yourself are not experiencing sadness or depression or frustration or, you know, these kinds of things, if there's someone in your life who you think doesn't seem quite like themselves or they're acting out of character, you know, being there for them the way that Matt was there for me, (laughs) the infinite patience that he had, um, because I would not have had the patience that he had (laughs) with me, Um, but, you know, or... Or like, you know, Sarah was able to kind of see that something wasn't right. But, you know, I I don't know that I would have listened if somebody would have told me to get help sooner. Um, same thing with paleo, right? Like you can't push something on someone if they're not ready. But being there for them and listening and helping and offering advice or saying, hey, you know, I heard this about somebody and this is the experience that they're having and this is how they're feeling can sometimes just be that thing that someone needs in their life. So I hope that even if the topics of the show don't apply to you, if there's someone else in your life um, who is either in pain or is sad or whatever the case may be, that um, it inspires you to, to help them and be there for them. It's the most that I can hope from sharing my story. And I want you all to know that um, despite my back injury, I am really, really grateful for the life that I have and for everything that I have in it. And I think I'm finally at a place where despite the fact that I keep crying, I'm telling you, I promise I feel happy and I feel good. And, um, I'm able to realize that, you know, not being able to lift for the, for a year is certainly not the worst thing in the world. And that I'm just really grateful for, for you all for being here with me, our our faithful listeners and um, for everything else that I have in my life. So thank you. And now I need to go <laughs> blow my nose because I'm a hot mess. Um, so let me once again say thank you, Stacy, And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. 
You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Um, I also, I don't know, you don't probably know this. I uh, write on paper random snippets of what you say <laughs> the entire time you're talking every podcast. Why do you do that? I don't know. And it's, I also like cursive write and I never cursive write at any other time. You other than when quotations yeah. of mine during the podcast. Like just random, just random stuff. Uh, like I wrote, doesn't seem infinite patience. Hey, I heard this about something that happened to somebody. Despite grateful, keep crying. Antidepressants, ADHD, quality of life, Prozac. It's just like random, random, just a couple of words. And like I have a whole page. It's usually a whole, I fill a whole page. I'll like write in the margins. I'll fill a whole page for every episode and then I recycle it. And um, I was like, I never. I don't all, know it's, how to feel about this. It's just, it's like a thing that keeps my brain focused. I get, I think, while you're talking. Yeah, you're like. And it's. All right. And it's weird because it's always cursive. And the only time I write in cursive is when we podcast. I don't do this for other podcasts. Or when I'm writing a letter as the Tooth Fairy. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only two times I write in cursive. You do understand that you just like equated me to a child fantasy. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's. I don't know. I start. I started doing it months and months and months ago. I'm gonna think about it. That's pretty interesting. So it's just like, and it's it's just a weird like thing to keep my brain focused on, not let it wander on what you're saying. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.